For over 40 years, Ermi has been an industry leader in educating and informing insurance and risk management professionals. This podcast explores current subjects in the insurance industry. Find out more about our podcast at ermi.com. Hi, this is Joel Applebaum, the Chief Content Officer for Ermi, and welcome to the podcast. I'm pleased to have here with us today Carl Morello, AVP of Safety and Health with Zenith Insurance Company, and he's going to talk to us about securing the proper coverage for farm structures and strategies for controlling your commercial auto insurance cost. Hi, Carl. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Joel. Glad to be here. Great. Well, hey, first off, I want to start off by uh, thanking you and Zenith Insurance Company for your gold sponsorship. Obviously, you know, we can't do these conferences at a reasonable price for our customers without sponsors. So thanks for that. And uh, just appreciate you also as a, as a speaker for many years at the conference. We'll talk about that in a bit. Great. Great. Well, thank you, Joel. We're happy to attend and happy to sponsor. Appreciate that. So, you know, your session's always well attended. I've sat in them myself and uh, get a lot of great comments. Um, things like, hey, he gives us real world solutions, help me uh, do my job better. Um, so, Carl, how long have you been presenting at the Ermi AgriCons? And what is one of the takeaways you're, you hope that um, one of our attendees will 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 have that makes them better at their job and makes the insurance industry better? Well, Joel, I've been presenting uh, as an instructor at AgriCon for about eight years now. It's my eighth year coming up in 2020. Um, I started attending the conference about 12 years ago just as a breakout session. Then I decided, hey, I should probably get my uh, designation, so I got that. Um, the original presenters have been here longer than I have, but we're, we're quite a family. I think uh, all of us feel like that. We're not only business associates, but we're also developed a personal friendship too outside of uh, of the conferences. I know all the presenters feel that it's important for the attendees to learn things that will help them grow in their jobs, bring value to their companies, and in a way that is exciting, interactive, and, and may even dare say have fun doing it. Uh, we want the attendees to leave saying, wow, that was great. And, and we do get that a lot of the feedback from the attendees. I can use that information. And we want their bosses, their employers, to see that value and send them back again year after year. Uh, there's great networking connections that they have. I know for me, over the years, I've developed a uh, first-name basis with a lot of the attendees because I see them year over year. So we really try to make it an experience that you want to keep coming back to. Awesome. So, I mean, you know, what what is it that makes you want to come back? What is it that you hope? like the the wisdom or thing that you impart to in in one of your classes that you hope people, you know, this is why I need to come. I'd like to have that proverbial light bulb go off in their head saying, wow, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. I can take this back to my job and I can be a better underwriter. I can be a better agent. I can be a better safety or rational person and really make a difference in what I do in my job. Awesome. Yeah. You know, some, some, People have said to me at the conference that the in addition to it is it, not only those type of things like I learn something that makes me better at my job and that helps, but also the the 
that that connection right like they they feel like they can call you when they're actually running into uh, a, a a problem in their job or 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 call make a connection there at the conference people are going to help each other out and i i think that's kind of cool myself um you know your role as a safety and health you know at, at zenith is um kind of an interesting role right i mean tell me about your the a worst day in the life of carl from an insurance perspective we'll keep it at that and uh, a mistake well, you hope that no other insurance professional will have to uh experience because they they can learn from your mistake yeah well that's interesting like the worst day um it maybe it's more on the the policyholder side is when you've got a an injury or even a fatality, and you say, "Wow, what could have been done to have prevented that? Um, did we, you know, do we assess that exposure? You know, uh, things happen, obviously, and especially in the workers' comp side of it, um, you know, not as much the property. Property is just as, hey, you know, that building burned down. What could we have done to prevent that, or could we identify it? But on the workers' comp side, it's you know." It's so much more subjective with the human uh, element. But uh, I'm not, I don't know if I would call it a mistake, but it's like you learn, uh, you share it. I guess in our role, you pick things up from different, uh, dealing with different businesses. And as long as you're not dealing with trade secrets, obviously you don't share those. But it's like, well, if somebody does it this way, that's a different way of doing it. That can prevent an injury. That can prevent a fire. That can you know, help in that way. Uh, and you just and you share that type of stuff, and people all get better. And then just in, in the big picture, you don't want people to get hurt. You don't want buildings to burn. You don't want people to get in accidents, things along that line. So I guess uh, to, to 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 answer the question is is more or less you, you you try to get take from the experience and just apply it to everyone you meet with, and then they can take that and then apply it to who they deal with, and pretty much filter down and and network out and everybody gets better that way. Okay. Awesome. So, so maybe a, a worst day claim experience, one of the worst claims experiences you've had with a, with a customer or can you think of one of those? Well, um, and it has to come down to a fatality. Uh, okay. and, uh, and it's just like you, you, you investigate these, you know, you get it with, with our staff, we go out with them and you evaluate what happened, why did it happen, and and it usually comes down to some type of uh, human element where they just got their mind somewhere else, weren't paying attention to what they were doing, maybe they were angry, got emotional, and you know, and in the agriculture world, in which you know the Agricon conferences focus on agriculture, where we see so many things dealing with equipment and you know, and, and people getting their clothing caught and getting tied into rotating shafts and things like that. And you say, oh, my goodness, this could have been prevented. Uh, why why didn't you follow the rules? Why didn't you follow the policy or the procedure? Mm-hmm. And and it's a shame when, because our goal is, especially for the work, on the worker safety side, you want people to go to work in the morning and go home at night in the same condition. And you don't want to ever have to have the phone call where, you know, your husband and your wife isn't coming home because they got injured at work. Uh, and it's just, just, it's, it's sad and, but that's reality in the world. But if we can do more to impact that, uh, with employers and with employees, then we're going to make strides going forward. Absolutely. There's, um, a 
book out there. It's I think it's called uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, and it's really about being present um, in the moment when you're working on things and recognizing when you could be in a potentially dangerous situation and and trying to bring your mind to the the present you know we all have had that experience where we're driving to work and we suddenly realize we're at work and and we weren't paying attention how did we get here (laughs) you know one of those you're 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 distracted um and i know we're going to talk a little bit about distracted driving but there are there are techniques right that 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 help you be more present that could prevent a fatality or a distraction um and you know that that book is a great example of you know making sure you're you're present, you're observing and orienting to the danger of the situation, and uh, that's that's what's cool about being a a safety risk professional is 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 preventing those accidents. We know that you know driving and um, agriculture are some of the the the, the top uh, areas where people are injured. So that's that is really really cool. I know you have several good presentations lined up for us at the AgriCon conferences that we have coming up. One that I'm particularly interested in, and I always think is is interesting is building ordinances. And um, also, you know, of course, distracted driving. But uh, on right. the building ordinance, it always makes me think about the owner of an older building or a unique building and the need to uh, spend more than their insured building limit after a covered loss to get it back to the current code. You know, some people believe replacement cost covers all the code upgrades. What are some of the high points of your presentation you might share with us today and about local building code impacts and what needs to be upgraded? Okay. Well, building ordinance is a really great topic, and it's why we offer it almost every year. The class is always full. And I'm amazed at, uh, even you always have new people coming in. So it's, it's like, you know, you're not touching the same people. It's always other people wanting to learn more. Um, and you're right. There's nothing worse for a building owner to think they're covered and then learn they're not after a loss because they, they've missed something or the agent maybe didn't discuss it with them. So in my session, I'm specifically referring to, uh, you know, the cost associated with the building ordinance items and it all depends on your local, your individual local, uh, local building official and, and the codes in place at that time. And it can be very expensive to rebuild to the current code if you haven't addressed those. So one of the important items is the difference between sometimes a partial loss and a total loss, because sometimes the partial loss can be worse because the building inspector comes in and says, hey, not only do you have to rebuild this little part to the code, I want you to upgrade all the rest of the part of the building too. And that's the right to do that. So it's really, uh, again, depends on the local authority and what they want to do and, and, and the type of uh, um, requirements that they have. So there's basically three sections that I cover in the building owners class, and it's coverage A, B, and C, and that's on a commercial side. For If you're a business order policy or if you've got the farm policy, it's called one, two, three. I still don't know why they have a different identification, but they do. But I stress the understanding of what these three coverages are. Uh, and, and really, for the agents in the room in the class, it, it's their responsibility to do that. For the underwriters in the room, uh, it's basically so they understand the type of things an agent's going to be asking for. And every insurance company may deal with this a little differently, but really for the agents, it's, it's for them to understand 
which covers A, which covers B, and which covers C. And really basically, coverage A just basically turns a partial loss into a total loss. When the building inspector comes in and says, you know, I don't like that piece that's left standing, you need to knock that down too. So instead of having, just assume you had a, a million dollar building and you had damage to 500,000 of it, and then the inspector comes in and says, okay, but the other part you had knocked down, now you go from $500,000 loss to a million dollar loss and you have full limits on that. The coverage B part is where you got to start thinking a little bit, and that's a limit that has to be identified, and then it covers the cost for demolishing and removing the debris from that undamaged portion. So that little piece that's left, oh, i got to pay to get it knocked down and taken away. That's not part of the building limit. That's an extra expense, and that's covered under the limit for coverage B. And then coverage C, elementally, is just basically that it's another limit, to cover the increased cost of construction due to a local ordinance or law. That's basically, you want to think of building code as a good example, but the building inspector comes in and says, I need you to change all your railings to uh, a certain size space on your balusters because you're not there right now, and that, you know, and then apply it to the entire building. That additional cost due to the directive of the local authority is covered under the covered C part. So we actually get into all those, we may, and, I, and I repeat myself, and I repeat myself because I really want them to leave understanding. They can quote this stuff in their sleep. But we get into different scenarios, some real-life examples of where we had a building loss, and the agent never discussed building ordinance with the building owner, and they were short a good $600,000 and then could not afford to rebuild to what the inspector wanted, so they didn't rebuild at all. And that's a sad story, but that's real life. So really, it's it's really intended for uh, agents to really get a grasp on this and make sure they're doing their best as a consultant to their client, which is the building owners, to make sure they have the proper coverage. Great. I um, I think that will be an awesome session. I know you're also going to speak on uh, distracted driving and autonomous driving, and uh, I think most of our uh, agents and, and customers listening can anticipate an increase in auto insurance prices based on the market. I think it's, uh, w- would, uh, would most likely be a, you know, <laughs> something that they would want to attend and learn ab- about how to control their costs. And I know also that, uh, probably each day nine people die and a thousand people are injured related to distracted driving. So, I'm excited that you're going to also teach that course. Will you? Do you anticipate some real-world examples and some uh, key takeaways that people will be able to um, use in in those sessions? And maybe you could talk just briefly about that. Okay. Well, the distracted driving was a full class of its own last year, and we're just this year we're going to just throw in the beginning part some discussion on the autonomous driving. But but to your point, distracted driving is a huge issue. It, it does kill nine people every day. Um, and we're really on an education uh, mission, I guess, for lack of a better description, to really uh, get people to understand the dangers of, of talking on their phones. And handheld and, and, and Bluetooth are no different. They're still distracting. That's a whole you know, another topic. We could talk for an hour just on this, on that topic. But... Um, you know, fatalities are increasing, and I, I truly believe it's, it's because people are distracted trying to do things, and they're, they're not only physically distracted, they're mentally distracted. 
but the autonomous driving piece, um, when I was asked to include something on that topic, you know, we're not at the Jetsons level yet as much as, you know, for those of those of us that grew up in the 60s and remember the Jetsons cartoon, and sometimes I joke with the younger folks in our office that they don't know what I'm talking about, but as much as we'd like the Jetsons to be here, I don't know if we're really ready for that yet. Um, there's a lot of studies that are out there. There have been, been a lot of testing done. There's a lot of companies building these autonomous vehicles, and, and I'm sure you know the listeners to this podcast are aware of, especially when it comes to these accidents that are involved with these vehicles. Uh, they're, they're all over the news, and so yeah, you know, so and so companies developed uh, uh, an autonomous vehicle, and it drove and, and caused an accident, or didn't recognize something and hit a person, things like that. So we're just going to escape the service a little bit on that topic of, of autonomous driving. The main thing I've learned, and what I've read so far, is this whole thing called the human-machine interface, and it's really, um, even in a fully autonomous car. There's going to be times when the car says, okay, human driver, uh, you need to take over because I don't know what to do. And if that driver is asleep, and we've all heard the stories about the person who drove in a particular model of car for hundreds of miles asleep and the car got him there. But, you know, what if that driver is physically asleep and is not able to take over? Or that driver is doing one of the things we see drivers do every day, eating, reading, putting on makeup, shaving, and everybody has seen this, uh, and it has nothing to do with autonomous cars, which I think people think they can do while they're driving. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering how will, quote, driverless cars interact with cars with drivers, you know, because now we've got two different people, things that are reacting. The driverless cars have sensors. The cars with drivers only have the sensors of the driver, and that person is distracted or uh, doing something else. Are they going to be able to react in time? My main concern with this whole topic is, you know, how are these autonomous vehicles making decisions, especially what I call the moral decision. There's, there's going to be a situation where an accident is going to be unavoidable. It's going to happen. And how does that vehicle decide what to hit? Do they hit the person? Do they hit the tree? To me, that's a moral decision. And I don't know how the technology is going to be able to do that. But, you know, do you drive off a bridge to avoid a collision and then a having another incident? Uh, you know, these are some of the questions that I ask, and I've been to presentations on these, and I ask the question, and they, yeah, that's a great question. We don't know how they're going to handle that yet. <laughs> but we know technology is fast-moving. Uh, you know, just, and, and personally, I feel we're not there yet, but, you know, time's going to tell, and who knows what the future holds, but it's, it's developing fast, and uh, we'll, we'll see what it turns into. Great. Well, thank you so much, Carl. We're out of time, but uh, people can learn more about our conferences at ermi.com if you'd like to attend one of our AgriCon conferences. Our Sacramento conference in our exciting new location is sold out as of today, uh, but we also have two remaining locations, one in Richmond, Virginia, and Des Moines, Iowa, later in the year. So come to ermi.com to find out more. Thanks again. Hey, thanks for listening. Go to ermy.com for more information and be sure to subscribe there to Ermy Podcast for more talks like this and to be notified when a new episode is released.